0: In your Bibles to Revelation chapter three, and verse number eighteen. Revelation three and eighteen. As as you turn there, uh, let me just say uh, that it is so wonderful to have my wife with me uh, this weekend. Uh, This is the first time I've ever uh, preached anywhere, as far as besides my home church, where where uh, where I was I was married, I suppose. And I can tell you that that it has been one of the great blessings of this weekend to have her with me, to have her encouragement and. uh, and I wonder if you would just put her right on the spot and just, just make her feel welcome. Amen. And, and, and as Pastor Carter said, uh, so, so grateful for such an incredible youth team that's here. Amen. You, you are blessed beyond measure. You are more blessed than you know to have this, this wonderful group of, of young young men and young ladies who are ministering to these young people. Amen. Revelation 3 and verse 18, the Lord speaking to the church in Laodicea, he says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And this is what we want to uh, hone in on this morning. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. He said to that church, which, uh, which, which was known for their, for their lukewarmness, they, they were known for their apathy. And he said, he said you, need to, you need to get some medicine for your eyes. You need to be able to see a little clearer what I want to do. You need to be able to see a little bit clearer my, my glory. God is, is, is reaching for every church around the world today. And he's saying, hey, if you need something to help your eyes, It's in the Holy Ghost. If you need something to correct your vision, if you need something to get your eyes off the dirt and up onto glory, God has got that for you in this place today. I know that there has been some incredible challenges that have been endured by the people of God in the last last couple of years particularly. I don't know all the details of each and every one of your lives, but I know this. The Lord has a healing For your eyes this morning, the Lord has a healing for your perspective and for your hopes and for your for your for your expectations this morning. And I wonder if we could just take a moment, raise our hands, raise our voices to the Lord, and pray that God would just bring that into the house right now. That the Lord would just uh, move during the rest of this service, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for your exceptional excellence. God, we thank you, Lord God, for your glory, Lord, and your power, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for everything, God, that you have poured out into us. God, all the way over this weekend, Lord Jesus, God, all through the course of our lives, God, we thank you, Jesus, for every blessing, Lord, that you have poured out. God, and I pray, Jesus, that you would not cease to pour out blessing in this house today. Lord Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch our eyes, God, touch our perspective, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen, amen. My eyes are not good. I am I'm wearing a pair of contact lenses today and, and so I can I can see you passably well. But if I was not I would be I would be squinting and I would be I would be I would be leering just to just to get some glimpse of your face. And I can tell you from experience that poor vision often lends itself uh, to to confusion, I have had moments where I came very close to using uh, my wife's deodorant, for example, because I didn't have my contacts in yet. I've I've come very close to uh, to uh, injuring myself a large number of times just simply because I couldn't see. Not being able to see is confusing. It's it's disorienting. It's it's one of the most uh, one of the most intense. Obstacles that a person has to overcome. And I I greatly admire people that that have have totally uh, lost their sight or or perhaps were born blind. And they they still uh, go through life with a a real confidence and a real competence. I, I so admire that because I can't imagine what it would be like to not see at all. To be totally and completely blinded. There is a story in the Bible of a poor blind man. And his name is Saul of Tarsus. If you look across the course of his life, we first meet him at a murder that he is participating in. The first time that we see Saul of Tarsus in the Scripture, he is quite literally a young man holding the coats of the people that are are going about to stone a good man of God. They're going to throw rocks at that man of God until he perishes, until that man Stephen dies. And there is Saul of Tarsus holding their, their cloaks, holding their jackets, so to speak, so that they can get a better throw. That's our introduction to him. And our, 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 our picture of him does not grow more favorable as the story goes on. He, he only increases in his zeal. You see, Saul of Tarsus, he is, by his own admission, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the most legalistic and the most, uh, uh, the most intense in his zealotry of, of any of his peers. And he hates the church. He hates these Christians. He hates this Christ that they preach because he feels that it's blasphemy to his God, Jehovah, the God of the Jews. He hates the church. And he's actively working to destroy it. He is, he is breaking into people's homes and hauling them out and throwing them in prison, some of them even uh, being executed eventually because of his efforts. He says again of himself, I persecuted the church of God, and I wasted it. He wrote those words many, many years later, and you can see the intense regret, and you can see the heaviness of what he did. He fully admits to the church, I persecuted you. I wounded you. I harmed you. But there was a time in his life where he could not see what he was doing. He was stumbling about in the darkness because the light of Jesus Christ had not reached him just yet. He was, he was confused and he was lost and he was pushing and he was fighting against the things of God. Everything that the Lord had for him, he was pushing away and rejecting because he simply couldn't see what it was. He couldn't see the value. He couldn't see the hope. He couldn't see the joy that was in Christ. He couldn't see that it was the natural progression of his faith that he was already so attached to. Saul was blind. There came a day when, when he, so, uh, he, he sought to extend his persecution further. He had been doing much work in, in uh, the area where the Jews were primarily located, there in Judea, but he sought to, to go out into Damascus, into another country even, to get to Damascus to continue to persecute the church because everywhere that he he persecuted them they would they would scatter, they would spread, they would go, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, it's like it's like trying to trying to take a coat and 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 beat out a fire. Right? Sometimes you just spread coals around. Sometimes you just spread fire around. And everywhere that that, that he would persecute, they would spread to a new place. And they would start a new church and they would continue working. And they would continue pushing on because they had such a clear and certain vision of what Jesus Christ meant to them. They had such a clear and certain vision of what this church was meant to be that they just wouldn't stop. Saul, he was hounding them. He was chasing them. He was persecuting them. They just wouldn't quit. So he was determined not to quit either. And he said, I'm going to go to Damascus. I've got, I've got, I've got letters here from, from, the, from the right authorities that I need to go and, and, and arrest and to persecute people in this, in this new place. And on his road to Damascus, all of a sudden, as Saul is riding along convinced that, that his way is the right way, convinced that, that his vision of things is the right vision of things, as he's going along with all of his assumptions and all of his mindsets and all of his zeal, the Lord shines a bright light from heaven. Just totally bathes him in it he 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 cannot escape from it he is he is he is knocked down by the power that is in this moment he's blinded quite literally physically blinded by the glory of God as he looks up and he cries out because he he recognizes this is this is the lord that i've been trying to serve but but this this is not going the way that i thought it was going to go this is this is god who i always wanted to meet but but there's something different here. There's something that I don't understand. There's something that I'm lacking. There's something that I'm not seeing. And so he asks that, that incredible bright light, that, that astonishing glory that he's, he's being confronted by. He says, who are you, Lord? And he hears this, I am Jesus who you persecute. I'm the one you're trying to hurt. The same Lord that you're trying to serve is the one that you are fighting against. And so Paul, later known as Paul, I should say, Saul of Tarsus, he manages somehow to get himself into that city. Perhaps he had help. But after a time, he's simply just left there more or less alone. He doesn't eat. Or drink any water for three days. Meaning he's quite literally on the point of death. He's going to die from thirst if something doesn't change. But he's there. He's, he's fasting in a sense. He's, he's praying. And in another bedroom across the city, the Lord speaks to a faithful man. A good Christian. A decent fellow by the name of Ananias. Acts 9 and verse 11 records their conversation. The Lord wakes him up with a, with a vision. And He says, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. He's reaching. He doesn't know exactly where to look, but he's reaching out. He doesn't know all the answers, but he's trying. He doesn't know he can't see, where he needs to go. But you are going to go and help him because he's praying. The Lord says, verse 12, uh, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias understandably has some concerns for the Lord. He says, essentially, to God, this is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is, this is the same Saul of Tarsus that's been throwing people in jail and uh, getting people killed and uh, just, just generally making havoc of the church, and, and you'd like me to go to, to where he is. Lord, I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. That's all. He says, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But God says to him, go to him. Don't you worry about all the details. Don't you worry about having it all figured out before you reach out. Don't don't worry about having a clear and certain picture of of exactly how I'm going to do it. But here's what I'm going to do. You're going to go lay hands on him. He's going to receive his sight. And I'm going to use him mightily to reach the Gentiles. I'm going to transform his life so that he can transform other lives. I'm going, to, I'm going to alter his destiny. I'm going to alter his eternity so that he can affect somebody else. And Ananias, it's up to you. And so Ananias goes and he reaches to that poor blind man. And how many people are there in the world like Saul of Tarsus? Perhaps they're even uh, hostile to the idea of Christ. Perhaps right now they they might even be, be, be totally closed off to the possibility that the that the Lord that we know, that the Savior that we have experienced might make all the difference in their life. How many people are there like Saul of Tarsus who are just one reach away from becoming something that we could never envision, something that that we could never imagine. How many people are there in the world that are stumbling about? They're, they're, they're spiritually blind. They're fumbling about in the dark when it comes to, to the things of eternity, when it comes to the things of the spiritual. They have no idea where to go or where to look or how to get there. And they need an Ananias just like you to go to them and lay hands on them and reach them. There are an awful lot of Saul of Tarsus's in the world. Ananias, he musters up his courage, and he goes. He goes to where Saul is at. Acts 9, verse 17 says, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. That's so, that's so powerful to me. You know, that, you know what that says to me? Ananias walked in there, and at some point on that, on that journey over to that house on Straight Street, he mustered up enough faith to approach the situation like it, was, like it was done already, like God had already done it, like God had already come through, like God had already done all the hard work, and all he needed to do was just obey. And can I tell you that it's the same way when you're reaching for somebody. You, you put in the time in prayer, you put in the time in study so that you know what to say to them. God's going to take care of all the hard stuff. God's going to move the heart. God's going to transform the person in expectation of your arrival. God's going to use you, but he's going to do what only he can do. So Ananias, he walks in, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, just in case there was, there was any confusion at this point in your mind about who I'm talking about, the Lord, Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So i to pause there for a second. If you, if you read back in the chapter, reading the conversation between, between the Lord and, and Ananias, Ananias seems to, have, seems to have added something to the agenda at first glance. The Lord said, I'm going to use this Saul mightily. You're going to go lay hands on him that he's going to receive his sight. And that's that's really the essential part of the conversation. But when Ananias shows up, he says, Brother Saul, I'm here so that you might receive your sight and so that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. Note that. Verse 18 it says, and immediately there fell from his, meaning Saul's eyes, as it had been scaled. So there was there is a there's a sort of a cataract almost of of some sort that just that just dropped away from his eyes, and he began to, to blink and he began to see. He received sight forthwith immediately and arose and was baptized. What is so profound to me about this moment? Is that Ananias showed up with this, with this mindset and this really understanding from the Lord that that if I'm showing up and laying hands on this person so that he's gonna receive his sight, I'm gonna trust the Lord for another miracle also. I'm gonna trust the Lord for something greater. Because what's going to happen when Saul begins to see is that he's going to receive the Holy Ghost. When that blindness departs from him, he's going to be suddenly open. He's going to be suddenly understanding of the glory of the Lord. He's going to begin to perceive things that he could not possibly have perceived before in his state of blindness, but the moment that that, 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 that power and that, that might and that anointing of the Lord cuts through his blindness. See, it's not just about Saul's physical eyes. It's about what's going on in here for him. When Ananias shows up, he's saying, there's going to be a physical miracle. There's going to be a spiritual miracle in this place when the Lord gets moving. And we need to have the same faith that God right now is beginning to touch people's eyes in the spirit. People that are lost out in the world, they're, they're, they're beginning to see for the first time. You know, I had a, a, a great grandmother. Of course, she's, she's passed away now, but she lived to be well into her 90s. And by the time that, that really I was old enough to, to, to carry on a conversation with her, uh, she was nearly completely blind. She couldn't see anything at all but she could see on, on the very, very edges of her peripheral vision, she could see light and a little bit of movement. If that light was, was interrupted, say, say somebody walked in front of a sunny window, she could, she could sort of see that somebody was there. And I think that that is the place where so many people that are lost are at. They have just just a, a tiny peripheral notion that there's something greater. That there's a light out there somewhere, but they're not fully equipped to find it. They're not fully equipped to reach for it themselves. But I believe that as, as times grow more and more and more desperate, I believe that, that as things in the world get heavier and heavier as they seem to have done the last couple of years, I believe there are more and more people that are reaching out for the Lord in places where we don't see them, in places where we can't hear them, in private rooms where they're praying, God, if you're real, can you please send me somebody? They can see just a little bit on their peripheral vision, but God has a complete and total light that they just need to be bathed in, that they need to be totally confronted by, that they need to shine into their light and bless their eyes with clear and certain vision of where their hope is, of where their salvation is. And we who have, lived in that light, we who have received that light. That is our part. We are the Ananias in this scenario. There are people that are desperate that need us so much. There are people that need their eyes anointed so that they can see the fullness and the greatness of Almighty God. There are people that need their eyes anointed in the Spirit so that they can see the truth of Almighty God, so that their eyes that have, been, that have been blinded by this world and blinded by the enemy might receive their sight and begin to walk towards that great light. So then it comes to us to have anointed eyes. Because you can be blind in the world, but I can tell you from experience that you can be blind in the church as well. The Lord spoke to the church in Laodicea in, in uh, Revelation chapter three, and his great criticism of them, which many of you are probably familiar with, is that they were lukewarm. They had this notion that, that the sort of the form perhaps of their faith was enough, and there seemed to be a lack of the power and of the presence of Almighty God. There seemed to be something that that needed to be there, an essential life source that they were not tapping into. And the Lord said, you've got to a place where, where you're not hot, you're not on fire for God, but you're not cold either. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't shut yourself off or turned away. You're just, you're just there. And that's a terrible place if it needs to be said. God is, is, is reproving the church at Laodicea for this. And he, he hones in on the reason that they've gotten to this place. He says, you think you have everything you need. You say, I don't need anything besides what I have. I have money. I have goods. I've got everything I need to get by and be alright. And God said, the one thing that you have forgotten in all of, your, all of your richness and in all of your fine garments, you've forgotten that you need me most of all. You've forgotten that without me moving in the midst of you, there is no church At all, without me moving in the midst of you, there is no power, there is no authority, there is no ability to reach the lost, there is no ability to break down strongholds in your city. Laodicea needs a church that's on fire. He says, you got to forget about being rich. You ought to come to me and get some gold, the Lord says to them. Because what I have for you is so much greater. You ought to come to me, and I'll cover up the nakedness of your sin, he says. The fine garments aren't doing it. And then he says what we read at the beginning of our service, or the beginning of this message, I should say. He says to them, anoint your eyes with eye salve. You need to get some medicine that can do something with those cataracts, do something with those with those 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 things that are blinding you. He says you you can't even see what I'm saying to you right now. And it is our job as the church, it is our responsibility, it is our calling as the church to get that stuff out of our eyes, to get those things that that so easily draw our focus. It is our mission to put aside the things of this world, these, 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 these materialistic appetites that the Laodiceans were so caught up in. It's, it's up to us to put those things aside and to get something from the Lord that will heal our eyes and heal our perspective. You see, I think that more than anything, what leads to that sort of lukewarmness the initial sickness i think is a lack of expectation i believe that, that 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 condition of the eyes begins with a lack of expectation every time we come into this house We ought to expect that somebody's going to receive the Holy Ghost. Every time we come into this house, we ought to expect the the waters of that baptismal tank to be troubled. Every time that we come into this house, there ought to be an expectation in us that God is going to do something greater when we consider a trip to church. It... It can't just be ho-hum, it's another service. In God, there's no such thing as another service. Every time we gather together, He has something for us that's beyond what we can ask or think. What we need more than anything is for God to touch our eyes so that we can see what is in His heart, so that we can see what is in His design, and His desire. That is what we need from the Lord today as the church in 2022. We need eyes that can see. We need eyes that can perceive what is in the Spirit. We need ears that can hear. We need hearts that can discern. But before we can get where we need to go, we've got to have something that anoints our eyes. We've got to have something from the Lord that touches our every expectation. If you're in the house today and you've never received your salvation, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, having repented of your sins, You've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, meaning the Lord's Spirit being poured into you. We recognize this by the sign of speaking in other tongues. You will begin to to speak, sing praises, and pray unto the Lord in a language that you've never learned. That's the sign that, that you have experienced what I'm talking about. If you've never experienced that here in the house of the Lord, that presence, that power, that Spirit, is in this place. Whatever you need from the Lord, He can provide. If you need salvation, He is in this place. If you need deliverance, He is in this place. If you need healing, He is in this place. There is nothing that my God cannot do. And if you will just take a moment and fix your eyes upon that fact, if you will just take a moment and fix your eyes upon that Savior... There's a presence and there's a power that's in this place that can transform not only your life here on this earth, and I promise you, this is the best life. There's nothing like this. There's nothing better than this. Is it perfect every day? Do we have struggles? We do have struggles sometimes. You're still living on planet earth, but I can tell you there is no better way to traverse this this world than walking in the Spirit. There is no better path than this way. The Lord is in this house to provide what you need. Whether you, this is your first service, your second or third, whether it's a matter of you've been coming here for a year or a few years, whether you've been coming to this place, experiencing the presence of the Lord for decades. It doesn't matter. There is something in this house that every single person needs and we need it every single day and that is the presence and the power of Almighty God working in our lives. We need the Holy Ghost to be always moving around us and always stirring within us. We need God to always be in our midst whether we're on the job, whether we're we're, we're relaxing at home, spending time with our family, whether we're praying in the altar, whether we're listening to the Word. We always need the the Spirit and the presence and the power of Almighty God moving in our midst. And this perhaps is the greatest charge against Laodicea. They got used to the presence, they got accustomed and over familiar and apathetic towards the moving of the Spirit. And one of the greatest determinations that you can make as a child of God and one of the greatest prayers that you can pray as a child of God is, Lord, don't ever let me get used to the presence. God, I always want it to hit me like it hit me the first time. God, I always want it to touch me like it touched me the first time. God, I always want it to affect me as much as it did when I gave my life to you. Oh, we need to make sure that we never get used to the presence. We need to make sure that we never have just another service. We need to make sure that our eyes are so fixed on His will and on His plan and His purpose that we never fall short of that mark. Because what God has in Him is so far beyond anything that we could ask or even think. What God has within His plan and within His purpose and within His will and within His His plan for your life, it is beyond our imagination. But I want to get my eyes as close to that point as I can. I might not be able to see everything that's in God because there are things that He's doing that I cannot possibly even understand. But I want to have as clear a vision of what He's doing as I possibly can. I want to walk every day knowing exactly what He's doing because my eyes are fixed on Him. I want I want my eyes to be fixed on the mission. I want my eyes to be fixed on the purpose that God has for my life. And if God's got to apply some medicine to me this morning, that's just fine because I want nothing more than to have eyes that can see His will. Eyes that can, that can, that can see and participate in His purpose. If the music could come back, I'm going to close here in just a moment. Oh, we need God to anoint our eyes with fresh vision. You know I'm so, so interested in in the book of Revelation, and perhaps uh, when I say that you might think that that my my primary point of interest is that is that he saw various beasts and 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 all this all this prophetic, all this prophetic vision, and all that is is fascinating, and I believe all that's important. But what's been fascinating me about the book of Revelation lately is that John got to look up and see the Lord. What fascinates me about this this book is that John, the writer of it, he got to, to peer into things that I would give my eye teeth to get a glimpse of. He got to look at the things of God and he found them so glorious and he found them so powerful and so overwhelming. that There were times during that experience that he just he just fell to the ground like he was a dead man. He couldn't even speak or move because he was so completely in the presence of Almighty God. He was so completely in the spirit and he was seeing some things in the spirit that nobody had ever seen those things were in god back then and they're in god today john was a member of the church just like you are and he was blessed with with special vision of things that now are written you won't have exactly the same experience that he had you might not see something flashing almost physically before your eyes like He did, but I can tell you that if you're reaching for the presence, if you're reaching for the giver of the gifts, if you're reaching for our Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to begin to perceive things that you've never perceived before, and you will find them glorious, and you will find them powerful, and you will find them transformative, and you will find them empowering, and you will find them liberating. These are the things I want to see with my eyes. Can I tell you what else I want to see with my eyes before the Lord comes back? I want to see Mission Point at standing room only. I want to see Summerside, UPC, my my home church. I want to see it packed to the walls. I want there to be more people in these last days coming to the Lord than we can possibly handle. I want to see things that God has prophesied. I want to see them come to pass. But before I can see them come to pass in the natural I've got to start seeing them in the spiritual. I've got to start looking ahead to what God is wanting to do. I've got to start looking in faith as to what the Lord wants to accomplish. If you'll stand with me today, our eyes must be anointed to see where the Lord wants to take us. And I wonder if there's a cry in anybody's heart today that says, what I've got is not enough. Can I tell you that in the last few months God has so richly blessed me with things in the spirit I have been nourished by the word by people preaching into my life I think in a way in the last few months that that has, has hit me in a way that it never hit before and I thank God for that but what it's made me realize more than I've ever realized is that what I have is not all there is what I have is not the sum total of what God has. What I have experienced is just the, the faintest glimpse of what the Lord has in store. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.